Why do good people suffer and the wicked seem to prosper? Welcome to Through the Bible. Today, Dr. J. Vernon McGee takes us through Psalms 73 to 75, where God's Word provides the answer to that really thoughtful question and so many more. I'm Steve Schwetz, your host on the Bible Bus, and as you hop aboard and find your seat, Greg Harris, through the Bible's president, has brought us some great letters from our fellow passengers, these from around the world. Yeah, we love the when we get to share the fruit of taking the whole word to the whole world, and uh, we, we want to start with a letter from the UK, and I'm, before I ask you to read this letter, I want to give a little context. You know, we have a lot of respect for history here at Through the Bible. Uh, we believe that we should pay attention to the history of God's moving. And of course, we respect Dr. McGee, but also our chairman emeritus has constantly reminded us that the UK gave the church some great preachers, Bible teachers, you know, Spurgeon, mm. uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, G. Campbell Morgan, some of these great theologians. And so when I hear you read this letter, I'm going to be remembering that we are privilege to be ministering to the people of the UK. Here's what it says. I truly am indebted to you for the wonderful work you're doing in sharing the Bible's life-changing message of hope with people from every tribe and nation who do not yet know Jesus as Lord and Savior. A medical condition prevents me from going into all the world, but it's a privilege to have the opportunity to support those who can go. And it was an honor when a recent pay raise enabled me to set up a modest monthly contribution. I came to the Lord when I was young, but like many from this generation, drifted away from the faith in my teenage years before rededicating my life to Jesus in 2002. The acquisition of an internet radio just under a decade ago led to finding K-Wave broadcasting from Southern California, and it has been a delight to listen to Through the Bible ever since. Well, and then our friend from the UK continues, while life inevitably presents its challenges in this broken world, I always look forward to hearing the encouraging updates from Greg and Steve, followed by Dr. McGee's timeless prescription of biblical truth. In addition to taking the message of the gospel around the world, you are also doing a wonderful job in discipling believers, exhorting us to stand on the rock of Christ Jesus. Thank you so much for your unremitting efforts. May you all be tremendously blessed as you commemorate our Savior's enduring sacrifice and celebrate his wondrous resurrection. Wow, so encouraging and so interesting to hear how God got the word to the UK. Yeah, I'm sure our friends at K-Wave will <laughs> yeah. be pretty excited to hear this hear this. Yeah, we uh, will make sure when we meet them in a few weeks that we tell them about this. So that's yeah. awesome. Uh, now, let's go all the way to Mongolia, a country that you and I have both visited yep. uh, uh, separately on separate occasions. And they have some of the toughest names, and I'm going to let you <laughs> yeah, say this one. Yeah, thank you very much. I was going <laughs> to actually uh, pass this to you. Okay, I'm Erdenekemeg. Okay, forgive us, folks. Uh, but, but this is the world we live in. Very yep. complicated names. You are right. I'm 61 years old. I've been believing in Jesus Christ for seven years. However, even though I believed in Christ, I could not fully come to faith, and I was still carrying complaints and wounds. Hmm. I got a radio device and started listening to your program. After listening, I was inspired, and I repented and prayed. Hmm. I am a teacher, and I have taught all my life. That is, I believed everything should be systematic and step-by-step. I'm glad that the Through the Bible program teaches the Bible in an understandable manner. Thank you. Wow. 
That's that's really encouraging. And his background is systematic teaching, yeah. and he likes the systematic yeah. teaching of the Bible. Greg, let me pray for us as we begin our study. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the way your word continues to have an impact on people. I pray that as they engage with your word systematically, that you would disclose the whole redemption story available from Genesis to Revelation. Make it clear to all those who hear now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now here's Dr. J. Vernon McGee with our study of Psalm 73 to 75 on Through the Bible. Now, friends, we said at the beginning, you can divide the book of Psalms according to the Pentateuch. And in the first 40-some-odd Psalms, we had that section that we call the Genesis section. And then we came to that section that is known as the Exodus section. And that began, by the way, with Psalm 42. And now we've come, beginning with Psalm 73, to the Leviticus section. And this is the section where you'll find, even in this first Psalm, the sanctuary mentioned. Because, you see, the book of Leviticus is the worship in the tabernacle and later on for the temple. One of the greatest books, as we've already said before, in the Bible is the book of Leviticus. Now, as we come to this third major division of the book of Psalms, we find here that the emphasis is upon the sanctuary, the house of God. But what would you emphasize there? Well, the book of Leviticus emphasized two things, the holiness of God, and also that without shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins so that the two words would be holiness and sacrifice. And they will figure largely, I think, in this particular section here also. And we find here some of the very wonderful psalms, and we begin with a series that David did not write. They are the psalms of Asaph. And this man, likewise, he was a musician. And This is a psalm of Asaph. So let's begin now with these psalms here of Asaph, Psalm 73. I mean, this is called a psalm of Asaph, and it opens on this basis. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. Now, immediately, we are drawn to the fact that God is good to Israel, the nation Israel. Does that mean every Israelite? No. It's limited to those that are of a clean heart. Who would they be? Well, it would be those who've come with their sacrifice, who have a desire to serve God and to want to walk with Him. Now, today, if you have been saved, you'll want to walk with God. You'll want to fellowship with Him. You'll want to be clean yourself. You'll want a clean heart. And that follows as the night follows the day or the day follows the night. You cannot come to Christ and accept him as Savior and continue to live as you did before. If you do, you actually weren't saved. That is the whole story. And I think we need to hold to that rather tenaciously today. Now, therefore, immediately we're put in the presence of God But we're put in the presence of God on the basis of the fact that he has cleaned us. He's cleaned us up. When we come to him, we have forgiveness of sins. 
and we are washed, a washing of water by the Word of God. Then we find that we are not only washed by the blood of Christ, but we are washed by the Word of God, and the Word of God sanctifies us, and then we want to walk well-pleasing to Him. Now, this man who came into God's presence, who could say, God's good to Israel, he had a problem. Now, I think his problem is your problem and my problem, too. Or maybe it isn't yours. It's been mine. And the problem is this. Why does God permit the prosperity of the wicked? And why is it that God's people seem to suffer more? Now, as a pastor, many times I find myself rather puzzled. I'd see God's people tried. I'd see God's people suffering. And then I would see the prosperity of the wicked. And it was hard for me to understand it. Now, it was brought home to me. When our first child was born in a hospital, God took that child. The little one died. I only heard the cry of the little one. That's all the little one ever did in this life was cry, but she sure had a message for a lot of folk because in that little book of mine, The Death of a Little Child, that's the message I gave at her funeral. And may I say to you, I never shall forget that day. Across the hall from where my wife was, there was a very wealthy couple. My, they had rich friends. I drove up in an old beat-up Chevrolet, and they all drove up in Cadillacs out in the parking lot. They went in. They all had champagne, and they were celebrating the birth of a little boy. And he was a precious-looking little baby. All babies are, I guess. Some of them, you know, look like they got heads like a, you know, a 10-cent watermelon, but even then they're precious to the parents. All of us think our, you know, every crow thinks their little crow's the blackest one of all of them. And so they all brought in champagne, and they celebrated and very rich. The nurse told us, one of the richest family. And I went out that night. I never shall forget. They had a balcony there. I went out and sat down. It was summertime. And I cried out to God. And I'll be honest with you, to this good day, I don't know why God took ours and left that one. Well, they had money. They're rich. And boy, did they live it up. I've seen write-ups about them. They've been in trouble several times. But that little one now is how old my daughter would be. And I'll be honest with you, I don't understand it. I don't have the answer today. But somebody says, well, then, you mean you're a minister and don't have the answer? No, I don't have it. Well, then, how are you able to comfort others? Well, I'll tell you how. I don't have the answer, but I know who does. And he told me to walk with him by faith. And he said that the way he has to test me is to put me in the dark. Then I reach out my hand and take his, and he said, you can trust me. And I don't know why, but he knows why. And someday, my friend, he's going to explain why. Now, you know, Asaph had that problem. He was a musician and a Levite, and he had a problem like that. Maybe you've got a problem like it, and it's pretty hard to understand. Now, will you notice what he says, verse 2, but as for me, now God's good to Israel, but as for me, he's good to that remnant. And Asaph's part of that remnant, but he's got this problem. As for me, my feet were almost gone. 
My steps had almost slipped, for I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Asaph said, I looked around me in this nation, and I noticed the wicked among our people were the one prospering, and the godly were not. Listen to him. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They're not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued with other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about like a chain. Violence covereth them like a garment. They're arrogant. Oh, how arrogant this couple was. I've never seen anyone so arrogant. And filled with pride. Then there's something else. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. <laughs> These folk had everything. I don't think they've had the fun that really I've had in this life because when I got a new something or other, it sure was a joy to me. It wasn't to them. They had it all along. And their eyes did. I hadn't thought of that until I studied this psalm after that. Their eyes were bleary, you know, puffs under their eyes been drinking too much, too much nightlight. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than heart could wish. In fact, the mother of that little fellow would have been beautiful if her face hadn't shown so much sign of dissipation. It was written all over. Now, will you notice, they are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They don't mind walking on the poor. I think it's been quite interesting. The rich, my friends... You look where they are. They're not following the line that you and I have to follow at all. This is something that can make you bitter as you look around you. Now, notice what they do. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. I listen to these rich people today, and they're the ones that are on television. They're the ones that make the news. Their tongue walketh through the earth. Verse 10, Therefore his people return here, and waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. Poor God's people, they are taxed to death, and they are in trouble, and pay for everything. Well, I'm told that there are some rich that pay no taxes at all. They've really got it made. I haven't found out how to do it, by the way. And they say, How doth God know? <laughs> They're not interested in God. He doesn't know about them. And is their knowledge in the Most High? They're not interested in God. Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. That's that crowd, friend. Does that ever bother you? It bothers me. Well, listen to this. Verily, I've cleansed my heart in vain, washed my hands in innocence. Asaph said, well, I've attempted to live for God, and it looks like it doesn't pay. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it is too painful for me. Asaph said, this thing worried me, gave me sleepless nights. Until when? Now we come to the answer. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God... Now we come into the temple of God here. Then understood I their, what? Their end. It's not in this life, but the end of these folk. And that's the reason that the Lord Jesus gave only one parable, and it's about a rich man and a poor man when he wanted to illustrate afterlife. 
One was rich. One was poor. And my friend, if you don't come to the Word of God, you're going to get bitter as you look at the injustice that's in this world today. But when you come to him, you can read a parable like that. And you're going to find out that God is going to judge the rich. That rich fellow, he headed for the place of torment right now. That was his end. But at the funeral, you couldn't have seen that because all the liberal preachers pushed him right into heaven. And they said nice things about him and how much he'd given to charity and all that sort of thing. But friends, he was in a place of torment. And that poor fellow that they didn't even give him a decent burial, they didn't even give him a burial. They threw his body over on the dump heap. But you know, the pallbearers were there waiting for him, and they were angels, and they took him right into Abraham's bosom. <laughs> you have to stay very close to God today, friends, or you'll get bitter and cynical as you look in this world and look about you. And that's the reason the sanctuary and my God today is the one you can trust. Now, I don't know the answer to your question because I don't know the answer to my question, but I know somebody who does, and he didn't say he'd tell me right now. He said, you trust me. I've got the answer. Way down here at the end, someday in his presence, he's going to explain it all to us. And then I know something else, and that something else is he's going to show me that what he did was best. And I don't understand that either, friends. But that's what he's going to do. Oh, this is a wonderful psalm. And as a result, what's he going to do? Listen to him. He says in verse 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast helped me by my right hand. I told you he'd take your hand. He took mine, and he said, Walk with me. That's a lesson I learned. And that's the thing the psalmist says, Thou hast helped me by my right hand. And he took me by my right hand, and it was the right one. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me in glory. <laughs> I'm with him today. And I can say, my life verse is Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ. Don't tell me he won't, because he will. And that is the message of the psalm. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. And I can't ask for anything better than that. So I'll just trust him today, if you don't mind, and I'm going on with him. Now we come to Psalm 74. Now, again, the temple is before us here, and the temple is being profaned. It's a masculine psalm, not of David now, but of Asaph. He was a Levite and a musician in the tabernacle. Now, will you listen to him? O oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why have you done that? And then he cries out, Remember thy congregation, which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance, which thou hast redeemed, this Mount Zion, wherein thou hast dwelt. Now, we're talking about geography, and it must be that land over there and that people. Now, will you notice, "...lift up thy feet unto the perpetual desolations, even all that the enemy hath done wickedly, where in the sanctuary. Thine enemies roar in the midst of thy congregations. They set up their banners for sign." Now, what happened? Well, Jerusalem has been profaned. It's been profaned several times. 
And it was profane when there came into it Titus Epiphanes, the Syrian, in the line of one of the generals of this man, Alexander the Great, the family that was given the nation of Syria. Now, he came down, we're told, poured the broth of a sow all over the holy vessels and put up a statue of Apollo there. And that was called by Daniel an abomination in the 8th chapter of Daniel. Then later on, Titus, the Roman came. The Lord Jesus told about him in the Olivet Discourse that's recorded in the Gospel of Luke. So that twice now there has been this abomination. And Jerusalem was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. And I do not know that he profaned it other than he just burnt the thing to the ground. He destroyed it completely. Now, this looks forward also to another day that's coming when the temple will be rebuilt. And again, it will be profaned in that day that's yet to come. And this is a cry to God that he will deliver his people. And you can imagine how discouraged they must have been when Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple and burned the city. Now, will you notice this? In spite of all of that, the godly remnant, verse 12, for God is my king of old, working salvation in the midst of the earth. Then down to verse 18. Now, here are some wonderful verses. Remember this, that the enemy hath reproached, O Lord, and that the foolish people have blasphemed thy name. The enemy has taken us, and there are a lot of the nation Israel been very foolish. They haven't turned to God. But the remnant, now listen, O deliver not the soul of thy turtle dove unto the multitude of the wicked. Forget not the congregation of thy poor forever. O God, save us even in the midst of all of this trouble. It looks forward to that day. And no matter how bad your trouble is, friends, I do not know what it is, but whoever you are, wherever you are, however you are, whenever you are, he'll deliver you. He says he will. He's delivered his people in lots worse states than we've been in, and in the future, he's going to do even a better job of it. Verse 22, Arise, O God, plead thine own cause. It's again a call to God to move in in victory and a prayer that recognizes that. Now, the 75th Psalm is a song of Asaph. The other was a prayer of Asaph, and it was instruction telling us that you can trust God in all of the trouble. And now here is a song of deliverance, a song of triumph that will come. And it's a psalm, therefore, of faith. Listen to him. Now, this is Psalm 75. Under thee, O God, do we give thanks. Under thee do we give thanks, for that thy name is near, thy wondrous works declare. Now, God's going to protect this name ultimately in this earth. And actually, what a wonderful, glorious thing that is as it's put before us here in this marvelous 75th Psalm. I want to make a change here, and I'm not quite sure how I should do it. It's when it says, when I shall receive the congregation, I will judge uprightly. That should be like this. For I will take hold of the set time I will judge in uprightness. That means when he comes, he has a set time. But when our Lord walked here, he took that place of self-humiliation. He adopted it himself. But he said, no angel knows, no man knows 
And he himself, when he was here, took that place. And he said, not even the Son of Man, only my Father in heaven. He knows that day to day, and he's coming on that appointed time. And you can't rush him. He'll come when the time comes. And no man knows the day nor the hour. There are quite a few prophetic teachers across the country today that they got a private wire put in between you and heaven recently. They all seem to know. But I don't, and I'm of the opinion they don't either. But the important thing is to note here there is that set time that's coming. And where will the help come from? For promotion cometh neither from the east, from the west, nor from the south. You notice it doesn't mention the north because that's where the enemy is coming from at that time. And only God will be able to deliver these people. It looks to the future. Already a prayer of thanksgiving before the event takes place. How wonderful these psalms are. Trust their blessing to your heart. Until next time, may God richly bless you, my beloved. If you want some resources to deepen your understanding of God's Word, you can visit ttb.org or call 1-800-65-BIBLE if you've got any questions. I'm Steve Schwetz, and I'll meet you back here next time as we continue to make our way through the Bible. Today's study with Dr. J. Vernon McGee is brought to you by Through the Bible, and it's made possible by the generous prayer and financial investments from listeners like you on the Bible bus all around the world.